Welcome to Trying Days, The Journey, Conversations with Publisher Chris Milligan. I am Bruce DeTorris. Chris recently spoke with Whitney Webb, a prolific writer and journalist whose work can be found at unlimitedhangout.com. Her book, One Nation Under Blackmail, The Sordid Union Between Intelligence and Organized Crime That Gave Rise to Jeffrey Epstein, is available at tryingday.com and the usual sellers. This conversation lasts about 20 minutes. Thank you, Whitney, very much for, for coming on. I, I really appreciate this. I know you're a very busy gal, you know, not just in promoting your book, but uh, chasing after uh, two little rugrats that are always enjoyable. Uh, so, Whitney, how, how's life been uh, last couple of uh, weeks? Uh, well, things have uh, calmed down a little bit for me compared to how they were a few months ago when, you know, we were in the last stages of finishing the book and and, <laughs> and doing all of that. Um, so I've been sort of getting back to uh, my website, unlimitedhangout.com, sort of restarting up my podcast. Um, I, at Unlimited Hangout, I'm not the only writer, so there's other people that contribute. So I had to go through and edit several contributor articles that have, you know, some were gathering some dust because <laughs> I hadn't had time for them. But, um, you know, uh, things are starting to get back to normal in that sense. And of course, it's, uh, you know, about to be the holiday season. So not only do I have like Christmas and New Year's and all of that, like, you know, most people, uh, but both of my kids' birthdays are also in December. <laughs> so I have to, um, you know, do some preparations there, but it's fun stuff, you know, you know, I, I'm happy to be busy. You know, if I'm not busy, it's, uh, you know, I don't really like that. Right. But it's nice to be doing some other things that aren't just, you know, on the computer typing. Um, we're talking to a microphone all the time. It's nice to have some other stuff keeping me busy. Well, good, good. Well, uh, again, I, I want to uh, public acknowledge that um, w Whitney Webb's uh, One Nation Under Blackmail is, is just selling like hotcakes. And I really appreciate that, Whitney, because like I said, knock on wood, it looks like I'm not going to die in debt, you know, and keep going on. And um, it's been a joy working with you. And, you know, I remember I said, you know, send me, send me some stuff so I can look at, you know, and you send me a couple chapters from here and there and whatnot. And, uh, but that was, you know, very good because, you know, I was reading it, reading it and I says, well, now, wait a minute. She doesn't know about Jay Orland Graff. And I tell you, it, it just amazes me, um, you know, how much uh, he disappeared out, out of, out of the internet. Yeah. And I think he's uh, deceased now, isn't he? So, oh yeah. 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 And, and he, he, he moved down to somewhere in Central America before, before he died, too. This guy, he was a Wharton professor, uh, you know, the first guy to write a book about derivatives, you know, uh, and because of the um, brouhaha that he created on the Internet, you know, he ended up with Leslie Stahl um, on 60 Minutes in, in a bar in Reno because that was the only place he would go to, to meet him. And he, and he runs this thing where the allegations of, of banking stuff and 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 he, and he drops with charles hayes and with with james norman i mean some amazing information about systematics and and them getting you know these uh, contracts to run all the the banking stuff and not just here but in china and all kinds of places and then it comes up well you know when the banks talk to each other at night you know they're they're actually laundering some money and other things like this and for that to just drop out of the internet and go away and i mean it, it took some 
quite some forensic stuff to 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 find his stuff again yeah so what i found really uh interesting well so what you mentioned first about jay orland grab james norman and all of that those are really key pieces to the puzzle to understand a lot of um the the situation around vince foster's death um some of the <clears throat> bigger scandals of the earlier uh clinton years that have sort of been of course forgotten by this point and that's of course, no, no coincidence considering the other things you mentioned, but also the continuity of those scandals, the things that took place in, in the 80s um, that are also in the book and, of course, other people's uh, books and, and research as well. And um, but that 60 Minutes interview with Leslie Stahl is interesting because the narratives used there are almost analogous uh, to the narratives that are still in use today that are arguing in, in favor of of censoring any non-official opinions uh, from the internet and the dangers of allowing uh you know uncensored speech to be online and it, it's just amazing because i think that interview is from 1995 or 96 of you know decades ago and you know that's the best uh those are the best narratives they can come up with <laughs> uh, to argue in favor of censorship you know move, move along there's nothing here move along move along nothing here and, and when you look at, you know, all the uh, quote unquote uh, suicides, and, and I, I want to say one thing too, I mean, you know, I've been looking at this a long time, and, and one thing I find the Clintons, okay, uh, they're basically, you know, lieutenants in the, in the, this bigger crime family, you know. Sure, and, and that you, spans you, both parties. Right, and well, you, you see these pictures of, oh, especially out in Masonic uh, things, they have these little uh, you know, levels and, and they go up in levels and stuff like this. And I truly think that the, the people up here will will play with some of these people and make them think that they're higher up in the hierarchy than they are. Oh, and, sure. No and, doubt that happens. And, and play them. And then again, the whole um, blackmail, I mean, uh, situation is obvious um, that it has been used for people to get their way. Any comments about that? No, I mean, it, I mean, if you look at black, you know, I tried to f focus to an extent on blackmail, but you know, this particular network that's used it to such great effect has been involved in so many other things. You can't. Right. It's hard to focus on just the blackmail because you know you're you're missing the bigger picture and the extent of the criminality that blackmail has enabled. Right. Right. So blackmail is just part of the equation. It's part of the 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 methodology used to protect rackets more often than not. <laughs> Um, either to by compromising law enforcement, politicians, uh, and, and other such groups. And that tends to be, you know, uh, the focus of it. I mean, I'm sure, of course, there are cases of blackmailing people to then shake them down and, and take their money. But it seems like in the case of, uh, you know, the group that is focused on in One Nation Under Blackmail, they, they, they tend to focus on uh, blackmail for power plays and for, you know, racket protection. Right. And then the other thing I, I really liked that you brought out in the book and, and did some uh, deep dives in history, and because it's all connected, is, is how they use bankruptcy. Uh, yeah, pumps and pump and dumps and all that. And those same patterns are still in use today. Oh, right. <laughs> so. well, you know, I work with uh, Linda Miner, who's a, a, a lawyer. I call her a basement, uh, courthouse basement lawyer, because basically she can go into to the courthouse basement and tell you who really owns things. And we were doing a lot of uh, research and looking at that. And we, we finally figured out who really owns things is accounts receivable, okay? Because they'll even bust out their own companies 
okay? Because then they just buy it back for pennies on the dollar, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and then they'll try and get other people to, you know, put their put their money in here and, and all kinds of stuff like that. So what's been the most interesting thing that you found out that you just just completely blew your mind in in your research yeah so i think the stuff that surprised me the most uh was the theme of i i guess uh tech transfers to ostensible adversary states of the u.s mainly russia and china right um so i wasn't really expecting to find that much of of that there but it's definitely a a recurring theme and you know part of the reason i guess i didn't expect it is because when you think about like these uh, you know, the the group that's focused on in the book, which is, you know, in Iran-Contra, they're called the Enterprise. Uh, Casalero calls them the octopus. The way they frame or justified their actions was because, oh, this was necessary to stop communism. But then, you know, while the Soviet Union is still around, they're, you know, s- sending technology they shouldn't, shouldn't be sending over there. And then, you know, in the case of China in the 90s, they're doing the same thing. And, and going to great lengths to really undermine, um, you know, U.S. national security at the same time when this same group uses U.S. national security to justify um, their lack of transparency, get it, you know, a failure for accountability for crimes committed um, and all sorts of things. So, you know, it, it's a really um, it's really important in the sense of exposing just how these people have no national allegiance at all. And all their claims to have that are just complete, you know, garbage, really, when you uh, look at some of the things they've signed off on or haven't prosecuted or you know have have planned uh so a lot of that stuff was really surprising and also you know what really blew me away too in in focusing on the the china stuff uh, mainly you know and i mainly only really got into that because i was looking into who epstein was meeting with at the white house um, and what that person was involved in while those meetings were going on and um you know that whole situation described as you know china gate by most people but you know in in congressional documents they call it something like the 1996 campaign finance controversy uh something like that it's obviously a much bigger scandal i would argue that china gate is really a misnomer but it's amazing how memory hold that scandal has been especially considering you know all the 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 talks particularly in right-wing media about china that's largely negative um, you think they would look back on the on these scandals and they don't. And it's it was not properly investigated and it was basically memory hold. And I would argue that the reason for that is because it, you know, in talking about Epstein's involvement there and in, in looking at all these different pieces um, of things going on around China Gate that weren't just China, you know, China and the, the People's Liberation Army and fronts or uh, enterprises owned by them were obviously involved. Uh, but beyond that, you have, you know, many other groups and entities and Epstein and Leslie Wexner were a key part of the stuff going on here. So what you really end up having is not just China, but China and Israel. And, you know, even a year or two before all this really began, you had CIA directors uh, telling Congress that Israel is passing uh, sensitive military technology given to the U.S., by the U.S. to Israel as part of the quote-unquote special relationship, they're passing it off to China before they even officially have diplomatic relations, Israel and China. So if you consider the leverage that Israel and influence that Israel has really on, on both parties uh, in Congress, um, you know, it, if they didn't want that scandal to be properly investigated because it would reveal Epstein, Wexner, 
Southern air transports activities at that time um, and all sorts of stuff, you know, they could easily uh, influence both parties, including, you know, the quote unquote conservative parties, the, the Republicans, right, uh, from bothering to investigate it. Because, I mean, if you think about the Republican Party today, wouldn't they just really love to uh, talk over and over again about the time that the Clintons sold out U.S. national security to China, but you never hear about the scandal, right? And so it's because there's you know, another party that was involved that doesn't want uh, the Republicans or any party for that matter to to bother to look in what happened there. So I was I was surprised about that. Um, and I think they're, you know, even in what I managed to dig up and include in the book, you know, that was one of the last chapters I wrote. And I thought, oh, it's just going to be an overview of this and that. And then it just got out of hand. And I was like, okay, this could be its own book. So, you know, I tried to include, you know, what I could there, but I think that particular, um, uh, those particular events network and networks that were responsible for that scandal deserve further investigation. As far as I know, the only book that's been written about it is called like the year of the rat or something yeah, else, something yeah. like that. And it leaves out so much, um, uh, some of the other connections that make it very clear that it wasn't just China, Right. that was involved. So, um, you know, I think there definitely is, is ample opportunity for further study in, in the case of those, uh, of, of these networks and, and those particular events. And actually we found some stuff after the book, uh, was published that some of the people that were, you know, some big names in terms of the Iran Contra scandal started setting up technology companies, uh, that were involved in this stuff, uh, in the mid nineties too. And when you factor in Southern air transport and all these repeat actors, <laughs> uh, you know, roughly 10 years after Iran Contra started to unravel, you know, there's obviously a lot going on here. So I would urge people that are interested and in, in willing to start chipping away at that particular, uh, those particular events. Cause there's definitely a lot more going on there. And I think, um, you know, I ordered a book that's about, you know, Microsoft's involvement in China in that particular period. And it seems like there's definitely a lot, a lot of information there as it relates to the origins of modern Silicon Valley, uh, which I think is a pretty big story too. But of course, all of that's going to take time to, to research and unravel. So please now asking for volume three of One Nation Under Blackmail in the next couple of months. <laughs> it's going to take me a little longer than that. Right, right. Well, you know, my, my mentor, Anthony Sutton, uh, basically got himself in trouble uh, looking at some of the th same things. He was at the Hudson Institute uh, there, at, uh, or the Hoover Institute at Stanford. And, uh, uh, you know, he, had, he they asked him to write this book about Western technology and its effect on, on Soviet technology. And he, like you, was doing some deep dives and discovered some stuff. And, and he was all ready to uh, uh, publish uh, volume three of it. And they said, no, no, we, we, we don't want that to come out now. And, and you know, he was a, uh, a British citizen that had become an American citizen. And, and, you know, he was very familiar with the Constitution and stuff like that. And he just didn't understand. What, what do you mean you don't want to do this? So he went out and, on himself and, and published a book called National Suicide. And uh, they, they came to him and they said, Anthony, you, you don't want to break your rice bowl. But he, he, he did. He, he broke his rice bowl. And he, he then he started, you know, his, his Wall Street series. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. uh, this lady in Maine uh, sent him some of the skull and bones uh, 
uh, books, uh, membership books, and he, and he said, oh, I've kind of been talking about some of these, and then he started looking into it. He, he first, he contacted Bush, and, and Bush wrote him back uh, this letter on official station, oh, um, no, he's not a member of any uh, secret society or anything like that, you know, and because, see, you know, a bunch of my posit has been about how, you know, the secret society system is, you know, kind of above, you know, they reach down into the different parts of governments and, and make them uh, manipulate. And then they found out that, you know, you can't really rule from your own roost because, you know, people attack it. So they, they try and, you know, rule through other, other roost. And, and it's been my posit that basically one thing that they were doing for, for many, many years was trying to move, you know, to, to rule the world, quote unquote, through China, okay? Because you had, you had David Bruce, okay, was the first guy they sent over to China after uh, Nixon uh, did it up. He wasn't there for very long. And then they sent in George H.W. Bush. And then his brother, Prescott Jr., okay, who's also a member of Skull and Bones, went to Shanghai and started passing out all the money because all those factories in China didn't just get built because you know the Chinese yeah. said, we've got a lot of people. I mean even in the in the book I mentioned that like firms like Bechtel they're tied to those same power networks that you're talking about we're also very involved in building uh, infrastructure and now that we're in this in this particular phase where we're having this controlled demolition of the western uh you know well, the unipolar world, right? That's dominated by the West, mainly US empire, moving to the multipolar world that's dominated by the BRICS countries, including China and Russia. You know, it just kind of seems like this, these particular networks have planned this for a long time. And some people argue in favor of multipolarity because yes, US empire is bad and does bad things. And the foreign policy is just off the charts awful. And lots of people have been murdered and it, it, it's obviously bad, right? But at the same time, the people responsible for those crimes have also been steadily building up some of these other countries and are now about to hand it off. And so when you see people like, you know, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum saying like China is the model and we need to in the WEF promoting multipolarity in the multipolar world order and all of this, it seems like we're being set up for a real, um, you know, another psyop basically uh, where we're going to get the same, the same shit, but with different people at the top uh, with the, the big seats at the table, you know. Well, I'm I'm a real fan of our of our grand experiment here in America of having you know people run their own thing. I mean, it's not like it. It's it, nice when that happens, but right, <laughs> it's getting harder sometimes, huh? Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, any uh, any last thoughts? Any any anything that you would like to tell folk? Um. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm just, I just want to say I'm really grateful to people that um, have bought the book and taken time to read it because a lot of hard work went into it and hopefully a lot of people uh, get things from it. But what I ultimately hope for is that, you know, there's so many footnotes and citations in the book and really, you know, some chapters really could have been their own book. You know, there's a lot more work in, in all of these things I, I dug up and, and put in the book, you know, there's more work to be done. And of course, you know, because I'm citing other people that have produced books and stuff, you know, I'm building off of, in many cases, things uh, other people have done, right? And so I hope that people will use my book sort of as a reference and build off of um, what I've put together 
too, well, because ultimately, you know, it's, it's not any one person is going to be able to piece together the history of how we got here. You know, it's ultimately a group effort and you don't have to be like, you know, have a big platform or have book deals or whatever to contribute to that. So I guess that's what I'll end with. Well, what's your hope for the future? You know, what, what is, your uh, yeah, that we're not, uh, ruled by organized crime that would <laughs> that's my starting point <laughs> amen amen yeah uh, well onwards and, and thank you so much and, and uh, hugs to you and hugs to your uh little ones okay and may they have a wondrous future you know uh, that's, that's what that's all we can hope for and work towards right so right right mm -hmm. right amen thank you very much thank you